not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. So, Father, as married couples come to hear the word of the living God, I thank you in advance that this word is going to solidify, it's going to strengthen, it's going to encourage, it's going to enlighten these couples so that our marriages will reflect what marriage looks like in the kingdom of God. So I step back now and I thank you for the Spirit of God stepping up so that everything that is said and done will minister life and encouragement to your people. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders taking place in these relationships. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. A very elderly couple, they're having an elegant dinner to celebrate their 75th wedding anniversary. And so the old man leans forward and softly says to his wife, Dear, there is something that I must ask you. It's always bothered me that our 10th child never quite looked like the other nine of our children. He says, now I want to assure you that these 75 years have been the most wonderful years and wonderful experience I could ever hope for. And your answer can't take away from that. But I must know, did he have a different father? The wife drops her head and unable to look at her husband in the eye, she paused for a moment and then confessed, yes, yes, he did. The old man, very shaken by the reality of what his wife was admitting him, it hit him harder than what he expected. And so with a tear in his eye, he asked, well, who, who was he? Who was the father? Again, the old woman drops her head and saying nothing at first. She tried to muster enough courage to tell the truth. And so she looked up and she said to him, she says, you are. Y'all didn't get it, did you? The other nine children were not his. Hello. (laughs) It was just a joke. Just a joke. Just a joke. Now, if you're visiting us, we've decided to take the whole month of September and divide our church where our our married people will be attending our 9 o'clock services and our 11 o'clock service is really for our single and non-married individuals. So if you're here today and you're visiting and you're single, 
just stay where you are because not only will you learn something before you get married, you can stay for the second service and hear something that relates to singles. Now, before I get into the lesson that I planned for you this morning, I want to give you five interesting facts about marriage that you may not have known. Five interesting uh, facts about marriage that you may not have known. Here's the first one. You can be sued for breaking off an engagement in about half of the states in the United States. You can be sued for breaking off an engagement. In other words, if you were engaged to get married and you broke it off, you can actually potentially be sued in about half of the states. Number two, adultery was illegal in 18 of the U.S. states up until 2013. Here's the third one. Compared to singles, married people accumulate about four times more savings and assets than those who are single. But those who get divorced had 77% lower assets than single people. You know what that statistic means? It's cheaper to keep her. Got an amen right over here. <laughs> Here's number four. More than friendship, laughter, forgiveness, compatibility, and even sex, spouses name trust as the element that is crucial for a happy marriage. Here's the last one. A 15-year-long study found that a person's happiness level before they got married was the best predictor of happiness after they got married. In other words, marriage won't automatically make one happy. And see, this fifth fact leads me into my lesson introduction. So let me just start out by saying, over the past 12 years of pastoring, and then being a minister for over 25 years, there is one common denominator that I've seen that has the ability to impact a marriage in a negative or positive way. When couples come to meet with me regarding various issues, uh, on the surface, it may look like they're having a financial problem, they're having a, a, a children's power problem, a communications problem, a trust problem. But upon further inve uh, investigation or examination, I've discovered that it's normally the spiritual condition of those relationships that is the core problem. It's not money. It's not communication. In most cases, it's the deterioration of the spiritual condition of each person's relationship with God that makes that relationship the way it is. So in short, your spiritual life affects your married life. So if you're going to write anything down today, I want you to write that down. Your spiritual life affects your married life. And if you're taking notes, that's going to be my title this morning. Even though it's long, I didn't have, I couldn't come up with a better title. So if you're taking notes, your spiritual life affects your married life. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, and we're going to look in verses 1. I'm going to just jump in and start reading, but, but, but I do want to say this. This message is for everybody. Amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been married. It doesn't matter uh, what your maturity level is. 
this message can benefit you. It says in verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish, they took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil. Give us some of your oil. For our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But you go and sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, they that were ready went with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, although this story or parable about, you know, about the coming of Christ, that's really what it's focused on, it's still a great picture of what happens in a marital relationship. So what I want to do is look at this parable, and I want us to pull some observations out of it to relate to where we are today. So here's observation number one. If you're taking notes, you can just write down observation number one. Notice that there were ten virgins total. Ten virgins. And it says in verse one, the kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps. They met the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Watch this now. Five of them were considered wise because they maintained enough oil. And oil in the Bible represents spirit. In other words, they maintained enough oil. They maintained enough spirit for the relationship. But the other five who were considered foolish did not prioritize or maintain a good spiritual state. Watch this. Even though the Bible was written thousands of years ago, this statistic still remains true. In other words, 50% of our society divorces. 50% make it. Well, I don't think that's odd. 50% of the people, of the virgins, were prepared. 50% of them weren't prepared. And because this statistic remains true in Christian marriages, what can you and I do differently as believers to have marriages that reflect the kingdom of God? Amen. So what you and I have to do is that we must grow spiritually and individually in order for us to have a good relationship. Because what I've discovered as a pastor, when people get married, We forget that marriage is a spiritual institution first. It's not a natural institution first. It is a spiritual institution. In fact, God said this in in, in Genesis. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. So it was God's idea to create the marriage institution altogether. But if you and I forget 
that the spirit part of marriage is what comes first, then you and I will have, we will struggle in our relationships because if you stop growing personally, spiritually, your relationship, which is spiritual, is going to suffer. Amen. And if you notice here, in this verse, these five virgins that maintain their oil are the ones, watch this, that had a successful marriage with the bridegroom. And so what happens when I sit down with couples, what I discover is that there is a breakdown, watch this, in the natural because there has been a breakdown in the spiritual. Now, there's a picture of a, of a triangle that I want them to put up for a second because I just want to kind of go over and describe to you how this works. Uh, marriage is like a triangle, and God is at the top. And uh, you and your spouse are at the bottom. If you notice that as you and your spouse seek God individually, what happens to you as a couple? You get closer. Do you see that? So the more you grow in Christ, the closer you all get as a couple. But what happens is, and what tends to happen, is if someone gets off spiritually, even if the person on one side continues to grow, if the other person stays where they are, the length of space between where that person is and where the other spouse is is still the same. And so what happens is you have couples who can't resolve issues because they don't have a spiritual foundation to resolve them from. One person wants to re- resolve it with the word and the other person's going, well, I, they don't say it, but they say stuff like in their minds like, pastor can't tell me what to do. <laughs> but it's not the pastor. I'm teaching the word. I'm teaching the word. And, and, and I just want to encourage the women, don't say pastor said. Okay, I want to help you this morning. Don't say, Pastor said. Even if I said it, don't say, Pastor said it. What you need to say is the word says. Come on now, give me a hand clap on that. Because you all know I'm going to teach you out of this word. So it's not me saying it. It's the word saying it. And so this next time when you and your husband are, are having some challenges, don't say pastor said. Say the word says and let your husband or your wife, let them fight with God. Amen. 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 And let me just give you, give you some, a hint. If you fight with God, you will lose. Everybody that fights with God leaves with a limp. Just ask Jacob. (laughs) You must maintain a spiritual connection if you're going to have a successful marriage. You have to grow individually, spiritually, so that that natural relationship can flourish. And I love Acts 17, 28. You can just write it down. It says, for in him we live, we move, and we have our being. In other words, my relationship with God is what's going to help me be who I'm supposed to be. And the unfortunate thing is, marriages in the Christian world People stop growing spiritually. 
And if you were to look at the warning signs before you got married, you probably would have been able to predict why Junior don't come to church. Because Junior wasn't going to church before he met you. He started going to church because he liked you. But it's too late now. You and Junior are one. Whom God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Amen. People say, well, God didn't put us together. Well, yes, he did because he started marriage. God gave, listen, he respected your choice of who you decided to marry. He respected your choice. So even if you say, well, God didn't, well, he allowed you to. Amen. So you have to maintain your spiritual growth. So here's observation number two in that, in that parable. And I just want you to write down this. No spirit, no life. And that's the word N-O. No spirit, no life. No spirit, no life. The they that were foolish, this is what it says in verse 3. They that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. It says, but the wise took the oil in their vessels. The foolish here represent those who are married that know to do, but they don't do it. See, those five virgins who had lamps, they knew that those lamps only could work with oil. They knew that. And so for some reason, they decided that they would show up with the lamps without extra oil. And this just represents people in relationships who know to do, but they don't. Most of the time, when I'm in a, in a, in a, in a session with a couple, especially with a couple that I know knows the word, it's not a matter if they, if they know the word that they're meeting with me. It's a matter of if they're doing it. So what I will do as a pastor at times, and, and if you just look straight, nobody will know that I ask you to do that. But when I'm in a meeting with the couple that I know no better, what I will do is switch seats with them. I'll say, okay, I'll tell you what. You become Pastor Evan, and I'm going to become you. Let's switch seats. So we will literally get up, and I'll sit where they sit, and they'll sit where I, where I sit. And so I say to the husband, okay, Pastor Evan, what would you do if you was in my situation? So now they have to tell me what they really ought to be doing. And so when we get done, we get up, I switch seats again. I say, now go and do what you just told me. <laughs> now, most people, they know to do it, but they tend to not do it. Amen. They hear the word, but they don't connect hearing the word or obedience to the word with a better life or a better marriage. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 26, you don't have to turn there. Hopefully, they can put it on the screen. I like the way it, it's, it puts this. It says, and everyone that hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and that house fell and great was the fall of it. And I'm just adding this because they chose to only hear and not do. 
Why did that house fall? Because they neglected, watch this, the rock which represents the spiritual part of their relationship. You cannot be married and not maintain your spiritual life. And this is why it's so important for you as a couple to have spiritual friends that are at either your spiritual level or higher that you can fellowship with on a regular basis. Because they will challenge to grow you. They will challenge you to live spiritual. They will challenge you to have a good relationship. And then you'll be able to see what's good in theirs that you can take away. But here it is, you and your husband, you're going out with Bubba and, and, and Fei-Fei. Bubba can't help you. Now, I know he was your boy back in the day. Bubba don't go to church. Bubba don't treat his wife right. Bubba, you know, you know, uh, him and his wife have this agreement that, you know, a ladies' night, she goes. I don't know if they have a men's night. Do they have a men's night? Huh? Oh, nobody wants to say anything, huh? I feel you. I feel you, brother. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So does a man, the countenance of his friend. You want to be around people who's going to challenge you, who's going to uh, uplift you, who's going to give you a pattern to walk by, who's going to show you how to be a better husband or a better wife. Amen. You don't want to be around people who's mediocre. You don't want that. Amen. And that's why the Bible says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is why you need to have a church family that you connect with. Some of you all are doing life alone. Watch this. You're doing marriage alone. Man, get in a true group where you can find some other couples that you can connect with. I mean, somebody who can help touch and agree with you about how your husband is acting. Somebody who can touch agree with you that your wife will start cooking. <laughs> Come on now. Somebody to touch agree with that your husband will help you clean up around the house. See, the women wasn't scared to say amen. Not at all. You need somebody. That you can connect with. And I know some of you all are saying, Pastor Evan, I don't have time for that. Well, how bad do you want a better marriage? My philosophy in life is this. If I've been doing something consistently and have not gotten the results that I want, I need to change. Amen. So observation number two is no spirit, no life, which just means this, that... The spirit part of my life is the most important. Jesus said the words that I speak, he said they are spirit and they are life. He said God is spirit and they that worship must worship in spirit and truth. In other words, 
my relationship with God, which is spirit, is very important because it's going to help me maintain myself in the flesh. See, the spirit part of you is the one that's going to help you really understand your, your spouse better. It's going to help you keep your mouth closed when you want to say something. The spirit part of you is the one that's going to tell you, don't stop at the liquor store today. Don't do it. Say it. (laughs) And I am going to give you some homework, and here's one of them now. I'll just throw it in while I said that. Ask your spouse just one thing. You know, before the end of the week, just ask your spouse to give me give you one thing that they you'd like for them to change. They'd like for you to change. Just one. Don't listen, please don't give a laundry list. See well, Pastor, I, I I can't think of just one. Well just just put them all in a in a in a bowl and then pick one. Just just ask them one. Because see if you if you go in there with a laundry list, you're gonna discourage them. Okay, so just ask your spouse this week, hey, uh, give me the one thing you'd like to see me change. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to change. I'm just asking you to ask them. Because see, what I've discovered is that when you make your spouse happy, you'll be happy. You'd be surprised at, at how much more you would get out of your wife just by picking up those socks. I mean, if that is her biggest pet peeve, you would get just a better attitude. You'd be surprised. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You ever done something for your spouse and it's like they change into this wonderful person? I mean, at first it was like, and then you said, hey, baby, I picked up your cleaners. Hey, baby, thank you so much for thinking about me. Oh, I just love you so much. Listen, just, just, just pick one thing. Say one thing. Here's the last observation as we close here. Here's the last observation. No spirit, no life. Now, this one is K N. O-W. No spirit, no life. It says in verse 4, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And uh, in the same text that we read uh, in Matthew 7, 24, we talked about the house. I'm going to read it. It says, therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and they do them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, these are people who who maintain oil or spirit in their relationship. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Notice now, it was the same wind, the same waves, the same storm that hit the, the, the foolish house. Their house fell. But the same wind... It says, but it fell not. Why? Because that house, that relationship was founded upon the rock. It was founded upon the word. It was founded upon Christ Jesus. It was founded upon God's principles. Watch this. Their marriage was founded on spirit. When your marriage is founded on spirit, it helps balance out. The flesh. Amen. Amen. 
Man of God, your wife did not cuss before she met you. She did not. She was just the sweetest lady, just as kind, just would do anything for you. She treated all your friends nice. She trusted anywhere you went. She trusted anything you said. And now she ain't trust. She ain't trusting nothing that you say. She don't trust where you're going. She don't like the friends that you're hanging out with. She don't like none of that. She cussing now. Say, well, Pastor, see, that's her. No, no, no. You changed that woman. <laughs> you changed her. See, you know you can change people for the worse. If your relationship, if your spouse is worse now than they were when you met them, chances are you were a serious contribution to the situation. Thank you for five independent claps. Now, for real. If she's not trusting what you're saying no, no more, that means you've been lying too much. Hey, man. <laughs> if she can't believe a word that comes out of your mouth now, it's because she hasn't been able to rely on what you've said in the past. Hey, man. Notice I'm saying, I'm not saying hey, man. I'm saying hey, man. No, seriously. Maybe, just maybe, you've made your spouse life worse. Now, I'm hoping in Jesus' name that I've contributed to Pastor Sarah's life in a better way. I paid her to say that. Is your spouse better or are they worse? Now, just look at your spouse. And say, I still love you, though. Go on and tell them. I still love you. So here's the question. How do you and I get motivated enough to maintain our spiritual life? Because if we maintain our spiritual lives, our marriages are going to get better. You show me two people who are walking in the Word. You show me two people who are maintaining their spiritual walk. You show me two people who stay connected to God, and I'll show you a marriage that's going up. So how do you and I get motivated enough to grow spiritually? Well, I've discovered that there are three ways to be motivated into spiritual action. Three ways. Here's the first way. Is that you can get motivated to grow spiritually through pain. Now this is the worst way to grow or get motivated to grow. Especially if we have a choice of whether we experience it or not. In other words, what I'm saying is sometimes people don't change until they experience pain. David said in Psalm 119.71, It was good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Sometimes it's the Jonah experiences in life that motivates us to move towards God. 
Now, I don't believe that this is the best way or the best motivator to help change us, but sometimes going through some bad situations help change you. Amen. So you can grow or be motivated to grow through pain. But see, God didn't design us that way. He's designed for us to move away from pain and to move into pleasure. That's how God has designed us. That's why if you stick your hand in a fire, you're going to jerk your hand back. Because he didn't design, watch this, us to learn through pain. We will learn through it, but it's not the motivating factor to, to grow by. So we can first... Grow through pain. Or here's the second way to increase our desire to personally grow, and that is through his promises. Now, this is where the manifestation of God's promises become our motivation. In other words, I choose to grow because I see the end result of my life and it looks better. In other words, for example, the Bible says, for Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was able to go through hardship. Here's why. Because he saw that joy was on the other end. And so sometimes the motivation for us to stay and grow spiritually is to see that at the end of this exercise, my life is going to be better. Watch this. At the end of me not arguing and picking fights over little bitty things, I don't like the label of the can turned that way in, in the cabinet. Let it go. You have to pick your fights. And sometimes we fight over non-fightable items. Well, Pastor, she knows I like the cans turned in the cabinet a certain way. You turn them. When she get done, because you, number one, you didn't go to the grocery store to help her buy the groceries. Number two, you didn't help her get the groceries out of the car when she came home. Number three, when she, when, I'm going to get to number three in a minute. Number three, when she got the groceries in, you didn't help her put them up. So if you want them turned a certain way, soon as she put them up, then you just get a turning ministry. fights man we supposed to be fighting the devil not fighting over cans you gotta see the joy that was set before you what is what will my marriage look like if I stop tripping over little bitty stuff come on now years ago everybody say years ago Years ago, I used to have a problem because my wife wouldn't cut the lights off in the house. I see a brother waving over here. She wouldn't cut them off. I would ask her to cut them off. She wouldn't cut them off. And then I would take it a step further. I would ask her to cut them off. She wouldn't cut them off. So when I would come home, I would count how many lights was on. And so when she came home, I was like, babe, there were 14 lights on in the house. 
She didn't care. Or she would have cut him off when she left. So after a series of frustrations, I had to ask myself the question, Evan, is your peace more important than those lights being off? And so the Lord told me, Evan, just believe me for the money to pay for the light bill. That's easy. Oh, no. And you know what? At the end of the day, it ain't that much more money anyway. So I don't care if they leave the lights. I know it's not good. And I don't need emails about, oh, that's not good energy. Oh, we're not saving the planet properly. I know. But I'm saving my marriage right now. Forget about the planet. I got to live with this woman. I don't have to live with the planet right now. For the joy that was set before me. We don't argue over lights now. I'm happy now. I don't care about the lights now. Because I cut them off. The mo- one of the motivating factors is to be able to see how your relationship can be. And let me say this. That will require some change on your part. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. You can increase your desire to personally grow through, what was the first one? Through pain. Or you can do it through personally growing by focusing on his promises. Or number three. You can increase your desire to personally grow spiritually through, watch this, spending time with God, personal time with God. And I love this because Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after the righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, listen, God will fill me at the level of my desire. So, so how do I, what makes a person want to spend some time with God? What makes a person want to grow? Because see, some of you know you need to do it. You know you need to get up and pray. You know you need to read your Bible. But for some reason, you're not motivated. Well, here's how you can kickstart that motivation. Because see, one of the ways that you kickstart desire is through your five senses. Watch this now. You weren't hungry until you saw that Burger King commercial. Wow. Soon as the commercial is over, you go to the refrigerator. You know nothing ain't in there. You just go in there and look anyway. Your eyes, your five, your eyes trigger desire. When you hear a commercial, you just hear it. Or you hear one of your friends describing this pizza from Pizza Hut. Man, I got this pizza the other day. And you ain't seen the pizza, but just them describing the pizza makes you want to have a pizza. Why? Because desire is triggered from your five senses. Watch this. You in the house, oh, uh, you walking in the mall, and you smell the Cinnabon. Woo! You... Didn't want Cinnabon till you smell the Cinnabon. Why? Because desire is triggered from your five senses. Well, use your five senses to trigger desire for you to want to know God better. You say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? Listen, one of your five senses is hearing. Come and hear the word. You hear that word, it makes you want to hear more words. I'm mean, listen, listen, listening to the word is like drinking liquor. How many have ever got drunk before? Let me see your hand if you ever got drunk. Oh, come on now. Oh, my God. 
I didn't ask you, did you drink last night? I said, have you ever been drunk before? Let me see your hand. Thank you very much. Liquor has a way that once you drink some, it makes you want to drink some more. And then a little bit more. A little bit more. And next thing you know, you are full-fledged drunk. That's how the word is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you start putting that word in, so use your five senses to get closer to God. Listen to the word. Come to church. Listen to the word. Listen. See. I set before you life and death. Read. See, reading, that's a, that's a sense, right? Read. See it. And then here's the one that I really love. It's fellowship with like believers. People can help grow you because you can't grow by yourself. And I just want to challenge our church. I know we're pushing true groups. Here's why. Because I know it will change your life. The only way I've gotten to where I am spiritually... This week spent tremendous time with friends that would help chisel me, help grow me. And so this week, I want you to ask God to increase your desire to spiritually grow. Just start there. Just say, Lord, I, I want to know you better. I desire to, I need you to increase my desire for your word, increase my desire for prayer. And you may not even read or pray that day. You, or you may not even read that day. But just say, Lord, increase my desire to read. Increase my desire to hear. Increase my desire to fellowship. And I believe as you do that this week, begin to thank him now for increasing your desire. And then listen, do something this week that will bring joy to your spouse. Just one thing. Just do something. Don't, 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 do, don't, not, don't tell them what you want them to do. Don't do that. Do something that will bring joy to your spouse. Now I'm closing right here so y'all can just play behind me real quick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to say I'm more spiritual, that's why. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't that sound spiritual? This week. Do something for your spouse that will bring them joy. Listen, don't do what will bring you joy. You like flowers, so you're going to bring them some. But what if they don't like flowers? Don't bring them. Do something just once that will bring them joy this week. Now, let me encourage you. If Sunday, Saturday night has rolled around and your spouse has not done that one thing, don't remind them. I'll remind them on the previous Sunday. Let me do it. Because I don't need you fighting before church the next morning. You ain't done the one thing pastor said do, have you? No, you haven't. And next thing you know, you and Junior. <laughs> Who named Junior in here? Let me see that. I need to stop using Junior. Here's the core of what I'm saying. 
don't neglect your spiritual life as an individual because it is your spiritual connection with God that's going to help you be a better spouse. And I promise you, listen, when you're sensitive to God, when you're connected to your Creator, He will help you be a better spouse. He will tell you things that will help you love your spouse. He will tell you things on how to better your relationship. He's there, watch this, as your guide, as your comforter. He's there. And so I want to challenge everybody in the room. I don't know where you are in your personal spiritual life, but as a married couple, if you will, in, if you will make that a priority, I see God doing in your relationship things you've never seen before. We've been married now going on 23 years. 23? 23. And Pastor Sire don't want to kill me no more. 23 years. And things have gotten better. And here's why. Because we spiritually have gotten better. So with every head bowed and every eye closed.